today's different. I thought today, I think we play that game again and we keep playing in that manner when we do get everyone back. You know, we're going to be a pretty good football side, as I think we've already shown. But, you know, we just got to you know, make sure that the players sort of stay focused on, on what's important right now. And you, you need to, 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 to win games of football to, to keep yourself in, in the mix to be in a strong position, you know, come the end of the year. But right now, we're still building a side. And I think what's more important is that the way forward has got to be with what the end goal is in mind. And today was about trying to play the football we want to play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. This is episode 153. Been a tough week for Spurs. Been a tough week for both teams. We've got two defeats to discuss and lots more surrounding it. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know my friend Caroline did, and she joins with me here. She is at CG Steph Go. Caroline, we're going to slog through it. We're going to get through this, but we've got a, a tough one to talk about today. How are you on this fine Sunday? Kind of wishing that I was still in my turkey-induced haze and uh, had not witnessed the last couple of games. Maybe we should just focus on the midweek win from the women's team because um, that was the last time we were happy. <laughs> yes, yes. It was all the way before the Thanksgiving holiday when uh, Spurs women did get a victory in the Conti Cup uh, before not so much getting anything in this match today against Manchester City. Uh, Spurs men also on the wrong end of a 2-1 defeat at home to Aston Villa. Um, let's start there because the, the men come off an international break, and I think I, I was feeling somewhat at least confident that Spurs would have a different plan coming into this match. Uh, you know, you, you had the break. A lot of players were away, obviously, on break, on on international duty. But at least I thought, eh, and just had some time with these these guys. Like, let's let's give him, you know, the benefit after two straight defeats and everything, all the fallout from the Chelsea game weeks back with suspensions and injuries and everything else. And then we kind of find out, okay, well, Papsar, he's going to miss this one. He picked up an injury, but. You're getting Destiny Adogi back from his suspension. And it's just a lot of moving parts. But Spurs come out in with a starting 11 in this match and only eight players named to the bench, including two goalkeepers. And you're thinking, this this is still very, very thin. This is still very, very much not what Ange Postacoglu would like to roll out there as a starting 11. Um, we can go through it, but what was your thoughts just at, at first blush of seeing a starting 11 that included uh, basically four wingers and no center backs 
it was it was it was a lot. Yeah, no center backs, a third goalkeeper in the match day squad, and all vibes. I think is how I would describe our team selection today. But yeah, I do think it was a good thing that Ange came out with something different because the only thing we really have going for us at the moment is the element of surprise, I suppose. Um, we, we certainly don't have a functional back line. But to be fair, I think that they they did the best they could in the circumstances. And, you know, we'll come on to it later with the women's team, but at least the men's team showed up and, and put in a good effort, I felt like. Um, you know, there were clearly some some tactical ideas there that, nearly came off and you know if maybe son had been able to keep on side it might have been a slightly different story but overall I, I was actually excited to see this lineup I, I wanted Brian to get a start even though I think not necessarily exactly what we needed today um, but that Kulisevsky starting in the 10 that was really exciting and I thought he did a great job um Wish Benton Kerr could have stayed on the pitch, but I'm sure we're going to get onto that. <laughs> yeah, we certainly are. Um, let's let's start with that back line because I think that's where the most tumult has come with this team and between suspension and injury. I guess uh, Romero's still out through sus- through suspension, obviously, and will be out again next week against Manchester City. Then can return after that, um, and then obviously Van de Ven's still out. So we get Ben Davis at the left center back spot and Emerson Royale starts at right center back, which I thought, okay, I get, you know, I guess we're trying, we guess we're doing this. Um, but Adogi comes back and Poro is obviously there. I, I honestly, you kind of alluded to it. I didn't think this was that bad. It, it was just, we kind of knew it would be um, dangerous, I guess is the way to put it. And when you, when you look at, let's talk specifically about the first half. I mean, that was about as exciting and almost expected of a first half as we could have expected with this kind of all gas, no breaks type of mindset and playing someone like Emerson Royale as, as your center back alongside Ben Davis. Like at least there's some more speed there than having Eric Dyer, but there's, there's not a whole lot more defense actually being played in that scenario. Yeah, I almost shouted myself hoarse within like the first five minutes of this game because it really was just pure action in that first half, which, you know, is kind of what we want to see. Like we went through a season of just dreadfully boring matches. So this is a nice change. But I know Ange talked about after the game about how, you know, benching Dyer was a conscious choice to kind of give us a little more of a of pace, like you said, in the back line, a little more of a dynamic feel to it so that we weren't just soaking up pressure. Uh, Cause I think we've seen, you know, that obviously does not work <laughs> for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but I thought, you know, Royal kind of did the best he could. He had a few kind of boneheaded moments here and there that frustrated me, but overall, I don't, I don't think he was really a problem per se. Yeah, it was like he wasn't um, contributing much to being the solution, but he also wasn't contributing a lot to being the problem type of scenario. He was just he was just kind of present. Um, and again, when he gives you more, 
I, I have no other word for it other than speed than Dyer. Like Dyer just does not have the legs to play in a higher line and, and in a more attacking style like Spurs want to do. Um, I guess that's that's something to his credit, but it just it wasn't a lot. Yeah, I think really what we were lacking when it comes to, you know, the difference between him and say Christian Romero is that he just wasn't offering enough trying to get us going on the attack. I feel like we were really a lot more reliant on our midfield to create in this game, you know, not playing out of the back quite as much as we would like to see. So it's, I mean, it's obvious that we're missing cutie and he looked like he was ready to do a murder on the sideline <laughs> the whole game. But I, I it's very unfortunate that we're going to be without him for the city game. Cause that's such an important matchup. And, you know, it's, it's just not quite the same without him. And I guess the, the thing that I didn't know, which this is on me, because I honestly, when there's an international break, I, I, tr- I tend to take a break from just checking in. Um, you know, we did a podcast last week. We talked about not a lot about the men's team because there wasn't a lot, just wasn't a lot going on. I, I had totally missed that Ashley Phillips picked up an injury and uh, is going to be out for probably about a month. So even if you're looking for that to be an option, it simply wasn't. So you're, you're really looking at a scenario where the only players that, you know, are kind of recognizable, even in, just in name only to play center back are Ben Davis and Emerson Royale and then Eric Dyer. So and, and there was an early moment, in, even in this match, where it looked like Eric Dyer was going to have to come on there. I, there was either an injury to I saw it was either a or Royale. One of the two of them had 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 suffered some kind of problem. I didn't really get a lot of follow-up on that from the broadcast, unfortunately, but he almost had to come on in this game. So it was a very strange scenario overall. Let's let's shift to the midfield though, because this was obviously I think the biggest, you know, maybe not surprise, but just um biggest change from what we've seen previously. We we get Rodrigo Bentacor making his first start. Uh he obviously started uh in a game on international duty, which I think was good to see building up his minutes, building up his fitness. And then of course, what happened happened, which we will come on to Giovanni Lo gets his first start as well, which I wasn't mad about, but I just wasn't expecting what I think we got from a lot to talk about there as well. The wildest thing is that he did the Kulisewski thing. He put Kulisewski in, in, in midfield and put him more in the James Madison role. And this is actually where I want to start before we come on to the other two players, because I loved this. I thought this was really something. Now, the problem that it creates for him in moving all of these, him being Andrew Postacoglu, obviously, him moving all of these chessboards around the board, obviously, if you move Kulisewski into the midfield, you're opening up a spot on the wing. And we will also come on to talking about Brennan Johnson and and Brian Heal, but I just think you need something else up there. Brennan Johnson, I thought was great, but to your point, Brian Heal, I think he's going to be a really, really great player when he moves back to Spain and plays in La Liga. Like I really, really do. I just don't know that he's suited for Premier League football. He 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 comes off in moments, but it, it's not going to be there on a consistent basis for him in this league. Yeah, I I just want to touch on Brian quickly before we talk about the midfield because I definitely have been a Brian Hill apologist, really hoping that he can perform at the level we need him to in the Premier League. And I, even I am starting to feel like it's just not going to happen because he he just doesn't have the end product. It's like I feel like he's very he's busy the entire game, he's making things happen. 
in terms of his kind of like one v one duels, but then but then nothing comes of it. So I just feel like you know Brennan Johnson. We see that when he gets down the wing, he's looking to make a cross as soon as possible. Um, so I just feel like Brian was not quite bringing the same uh, playmaking ability from the other wing. I, th- I think there's a physicality issue there too, still. And and I, I would have said this three years ago. And Brian Heald does not look like the same player two three that he did two two three seasons ago. Like he is more physically fit. He's bu- he's he's built himself up a little bit. He's still very young. He's tw- 21, 22. Like he's still, I think, growing into his frame. But I just don't know that he's going to get there from a physical standpoint to take the kind of you know, just a beating and physicality that you do in the Premier League as compared to some of the other leagues. And I, I agree with you. I, some of the stuff comes off. Some of the stuff looks like there, there could be something there. But when it doesn't, you also see like frustration from him, which is like irritating. Like you don't see the, the consistency and the, the constant. I'm not saying there's no effort there. There's effort. But it's like when, when one of these moves doesn't come off, all of a sudden it's slumped shoulders sometimes. And it's like, man, why, why, why is this not? Why am I not able to, to do what I want to do as, as well as I can when I'm playing you know, in Spain? Right. And it's not like Brennan Johnson is that much different physically from him. You know, he's, he's also a smaller guy. Um, so we've got our two wispy wingers out here, but I feel like the difference is that Johnson, he's able to adapt his game to the physicality of the English league. Whereas I feel like Brian is still stuck in, in La Liga mode, um, which is tough because I really, you know, I think he has, a lot of potential as a player, but yeah, I'm starting to feel like it's just not going to happen as first. All right. So let's shift back to talking in the, about this midfield because the Kulisewski play from that te- look, it's not going to be James Madison. It's not going to look exactly like that, but I liked how busy he was. And honestly, I, I liked how playing more centrally does not allow him to just take the ball out on the right wing, try to cut in onto his left foot and bang a shot, which works sometimes and almost worked a few times in this game when he got the opportunity, but it wasn't, he was not, he didn't have the ability to just be a one trick pony. Like we've seen him be, he had to do other things and that unlocked some things I felt like for him. Yeah. I mean, we did still see him do that a few times to be fair. Um, kind of like we see with James Madison, he tends to favor his left side and we saw Decky way more often out on the right. But I do think the thing that he did really well was kind of the same work we see from Madison and drawing defenders away from the other forwards, um, you know, creating issues for them more centrally so that, for example, the wide players like Brennan, he can get out and get into space. And um, I thought that was really effective that Kulisevsky did. And he was unlucky not to score today. Well, a, a lot of players were unlucky not to score, and we'll get you know. The, if you look at the XG in this game, you will you will realize that um, there was a a pretty high disparity. Spurs produced two point three two in XG compared to Aston Villa's one point seven seven. So that shows you kind of it doesn't show you the story, but if you're looking for the why it, it that really does paint a picture of how this game was played out. If you didn't get to actually see it and you're just looking at a scoreline. Um, that really is, is part of it. It, it, Where do you want to go next? Do you want to talk to Lisselso or do you want to talk about the, the Benton core of it all? Because I I would like to keep it positive and talk about 
Lacelso and how bright he also looked in this game, scored a goal. Um, I, I was just like, I'm, I'm in. Like, I, I've been kind of waiting for this type of performance from Giovanni Lacelso. He finally delivered it. And maybe he actually can step in and be that guy until James Madison gets back. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a matter of consistency with him because obviously we, we just haven't seen a ton of him in a Spurs shirt period, even though he's been with the club for, you know, how many years now. And in fact, this was his first goal since I think they said 2021, maybe, um, or even 2020. It's, it's been a while. That uh, I thought he and Bentinger had a really good, you know, partnership, kind of the, the balance in the midfield felt correct, um, which I think we had been kind of missing in the the other two games without uh, Madison. And yeah, it's it was frustrating then for Bentancur to get hurt because I felt like when Hoybier came in, that balance really got kind of disturbed and I, I wasn't quite sure what Hoybier was doing at any given time was the problem. Well, I mean, I think that's a question that we could pretty much ask a lot of times. Um, Hoiberg came in and it completely, it completely changed the complexion of the game, unfortunately, uh, because Bentoncur was honestly was so so good um, for that first thirty minutes that he was able to be on the pitch, the pressing, the passing, and like you said, the connection he and Lacelso had playing just behind Kulisevsky and trying to they Spurs had control of the midfield with those three in place for that first 30 or so minutes. And it was super, super exciting to watch. Um, do, do we, do we put like some kind of hex on Matty cash at this point? Of course, years ago took out Matt Doherty. Um, and, and then this match takes out Rodrigo Bentancur, as you mentioned, Christian Romero was staring daggers as, as Benzikor was coming off the pitch. I, like, I, I do think it's interesting that like we're all thinking about what, what Christian Romero is going to do while he sits on the bench serving a suspension for what he previously has done. Like, it is kind of weird. But um, the, the Matty Cash thing for me, I just, you know, that's tough. That's a, that's a tough look for that guy. And he, there was another one soon after he picked up the yellow card. He should have been sent off. Multiple players could have been sent off in this game. It was a very weirdly officiated game. Um, but I, what what are we going to do about Matty Cash, Caroline? <laughs> well, I, I'm less worried about, you know, what Romero was going to do from the bench in this game as much as I'm worried about what he's going to do in the reverse fixture to Matty Cash. Uh, he might want to be keeping, you know, both eyes open. But it's it's like I'm so tired of, talking about the officiating every single game, but it does feel like our opponents are starting to realize that making the game more physical is to their advantage um, because they really didn't have any solutions for our midfield until Matty Cash just literally took out Benton Kerr. So that's frustrating. And I, I really don't understand how Aston Villa finished that first half with all 11 players because it wasn't just cash. It was also, you know, Kamara really had a good strong argument for getting a second yellow for doing essentially the same thing Romero is suspended for at the moment. So it's, it's frustrating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I, I, I dream of what that midfield could have done with a full 90 minutes. And of course it has to be a dream because 
it certainly isn't a reality. Uh, it, it it will be interesting to see like if if Ibisuma comes back and like can make some kind of impact. If Papsar can come back, all these guys that are you know between suspensions and knocks and everything. But you also have to remember that those are two players that are in come January are are going to be going away for the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, it, it, there's just there's so many moving parts in this midfield between injury, suspension, players coming back from injury. It's all it's all a lot and. I just don't really, I don't really need to see a lot more of Pierre Emile Hoivier or Oliver Skip in this midfield because they're not it for me. Um, so that's been kind of tough. But those are two players that came off the bench today and didn't really present many problems for Villa uh, at all. And that's kind of what makes it tough. Yeah, I think Sar was a pretty big miss today. Because I think, you know, if he's able to come on in place of Benton Core, he, he can do a few of the same things, you know, in terms of his skill set and the, the sort of box-to-box role. But I don't know. I get frustrated with the commentary because when Oliver Skip came on, they were like, oh, Spurs are going really defensive. And I'm thinking, well, if you've been watching Ange Ball, that's not really the role that Skip plays in this system. But, you know, I still I don't think he was effective today and really hasn't been since preseason um, when he kind of got our hopes up that we were about to see a skip renaissance. Um, but, yeah, when, you know, Basuma coming back in the next game, I suppose, is a positive. Um, and we, we've just got to try to get through these games until, like you said, we're going to lose a couple of our midfielders again to the regional tournaments. So, I, I mean there's still the potential for some January recruitment to solve that issue. They did show Johan Lange during the game. And I thought, why, why isn't he on the phone? Why isn't he, why isn't he calling someone or emailing someone? He's just watching the game. I mean, I'm kidding of course, but like that dude is busy, busy, busy right now. And there were reportedly some meetings last week internally about uh, positions that we, that, that are, that are being targeted and budgeting for that. But apparently Spurs are looking hard at both a center back and a striker right now for January. I, please do something because I, the, this team is just falling apart right now. I mean, you look at the injury list, it's, it is, it is extreme. It is an extreme, extreme crisis. Um, and it's funny. I, I get what you're saying about being frustrated too, because like, and I tweeted this from, from the podcast account earlier today, but like Amazon, Prime Video Sport tweets out what's gone wrong for Spurs with the three consecutive Premier League defeats. And it's like, no, this is this is not like a mystery to anyone. <laughs> I mean, I know they're like uh, like fans of of rivals like Chelsea and, and Arsenal are having their fun right now and being like, oh, you know, it's this is what Tottenham does. But like, no, this is pretty obvious. And I don't think any Spurs fans are out here panicking or feeling like this is the end of the world like i think it's really obvious this this was a team built with a really really strong first 11 and maybe first 12 or 13 but beyond that like there ain't much there and this is a manager who's still implementing a system after just more than a dozen games and they're figuring it out and when you rip away like half of that 11 through injury slash suspension this is what's this is what it's going to look like. And to your point, the recruitment in January has to come through and reinforce this now. Well, and even with getting you know a player back into the starting lineup like Bentoncourt, and then having him go out in this game, it's like it, it feels like our luck could not be any worse at the moment. And it's 
at this point, we have to be kind of mindful of preserving the players that we do still have. And I feel like you could see a little bit of that, you know, towards the end of the game, like not just visibly tiring, but not quite going into challenges with the same uh, vigor, shall we say, just because they're, they're holding a little something back, knowing that they cannot afford to get injured in a, in a very literal sense. So it's, it's tough. And I agree. It's frustrating that the media have not gotten that message apparently. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of that is like just generating stuff for clicks, which I get like everybody's got to get their clicks. Um, and all the, all the people who want to dunk on Spurs for, you know, what has been a horrendous three weeks uh, with three straight losses on the bounce and not, it's not going to get any easier, obviously city next. Uh, then you come back home on a Thursday, face West Ham. Then you have to face Newcastle. Like, sure, you get a trip to Nottingham Forest uh, midway through December, but like, I don't know what that's going to look like by then. Who knows? You just these games do not get easier in this league. And um, you know, by by this time next week, we'll know who the FA FA Cup opponent is um, in in early January as well. That draw will be coming up. So. I, there's there's a lot on the horizon and a lot of games still to be played. I I don't I kind of like what we talked about last week. The expectations for me are still that this team can reinforce and can, you know, bounce back from from this crisis, but it it has to come with not only reinforcement in January, but some guys getting healthy and getting back on the pitch. Like it's it comes down to Van de Ven getting healthy and getting back by hopefully early to, to mid January, you know, and same with Madison, hopefully Benton injury is just, you know, a knock. Um, they said it was an ankle. So it's not like he re-injured the ACL. It's not like he came back too early. That, that wasn't what happened. Um, hopefully it's just a knock and he can return pretty quickly. And, and some of these other guys who have just been missing through, you know, even, even the little stuff can get back and, and return to what we saw, um, so my, my confidence has not wavered. Where are you just in terms of the expectations for, for the rest of this year? Yeah. I mean, I know I've, I've sounded a bit negative today, but you know, besides kind of the baseline frustration of, of losing the game, I still feel pretty good about the actual performance and, you know, in the circumstances with all the variables that we had to deal with. It's encouraging that we're still seeing the identity coming through still creating a lot of chances you know the the defense is what it is right now frankly and there's not a whole lot we can do about that but if we weren't at least you know putting in an effort in the attack and I wasn't seeing some evidence that like we know what we're doing uh, when it comes to the offense then I would be worried but I do think that as we start to get players back you know slowly but surely I think the results are going to come along with that um, and even, you know, in these, these last few games, you know, three losses in a row, but you can't really say that we were completely out of them, you know, even the Chelsea game up until the very end. So I, yeah, I don't feel as negative as I think some of the fan base is right now, um, just because I'm trying to be patient and understand the larger project. Well, and not only that, but you talk about th this match against Villa, I think looked better, maybe not than Chelsea, because that was just, you have to almost pluck that from, for just for what it was with the, the red cards and everything else. But this looked way better than the Wolves game, which they lost late. Um, 
this looked like a more dominating performance and it looked like they had a better idea. And I don't know, maybe that is simple. It, it is as simple as you're not playing with Eric Dyer in the back line. I don't know. I'm not trying to put it all on one person, but these changes that were made did look and the midfield looked different than the Wolves game. And looked, it looked like an improvement based on what Ange has available to him. And also it was against a wave. Like I'm, I'm sorry to the Wolves fans, but Aston Villa is a much tougher opponent to play against than Wolves. I think Aston Villa, frankly, is an underrated team. I mean, th- that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Like, aren't Aston Villa in the long run a better team than Spurs right now? Like, they finished a point ahead of us last season on the table. With this victory today, they moved two points ahead of us on the table. Like, I know it's only 13 games, but Aston Villa are good. <laughs> like, I think that's the other thing we need to recognize. Right. And I think current personnel, you know, taken into account, they really should have run away with this game, realistically. Uh, But I think that speaks to Ange's strength as a manager, that he was able to come up with some solutions, you know, some of them temporary in the case of a player getting injured mid-game. But that's what gives me hope for the long term, is that we have a manager who actually reacts in real time to games and doesn't like I know we say he's stubborn about things like playing the high line and you know having kind of the overall sort of pressing structure but he has made tweaks when it comes to things like you know the the actual pieces in the formation um, and recognizing certain games where some players are going to be more valuable than others Um, obviously when he's had them available that's a whole other you know issue but I, it's not like last season where we would get into, you know, a conundrum and I had zero faith in Conte to do anything about it. So I, I feel like in this case, we kind of just have to take the loss on the chin, recognize that Aston Villa are a good team. They have good players. Um, these, these things happen when your, your squad is really depleted. So there's no question about it. The, the The last thing I'll say about this game and about a specific player, and this is really through no fault of his own, but I thought this was the first match in 13 that I felt like the goalkeeper was outplayed by the opponent's goalkeeper. <laughs> Vicario showed a few signs of like just a few wobbles. And obviously on the other end, you've got a World Cup winner in Emmy Martinez who was really good in this game like really really good and made some incredible stops and is obviously just a presence his size alone just is just that is a that is a dude back there and vicario you know he had the one that that squibbed by him and hit the post and came back to him and there were just a few opportunities for vicario there was one set piece i remember where uh they they had a real chance that that went awry but he he probably should have come out for there were a few things i saw in his game that were just like oh they're really under it, but he's also, I have to kind of just like shrug it off too, because he's playing with a different <laughs> pair of center backs in him the last handful of games, every match. And it, like, there's a lot going on in front of him. I'm not blaming him, but this was the first match where I was like, Ooh, maybe this goalkeeper is not on the level right now, but it is what it, that, that that's kind of an, is what it is situation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like center backs in quotes, you know, I mean, no offense to Ben right. Davis, like he, he can be a center back, but obviously not his preferred position either. Um, but I think you're right. You, There's not much you can do about having a World Cup winning caliber keeper defending our shots. And, and he really did have an incredible game. So, you know, kudos to him. But 
I did see a few things that I liked from Vicario at the same time in this game. Um, you know, there was that one moment where he was really brave to come off his line uh, when he saw that his defense was in trouble. So I think we want to see more of that kind of, you know, the heroics that we saw from the Chelsea game that kept us in that one for so long. Um, he just has so much potential and that's really exciting to me. You know, it's, it feels like the goalkeeper position is one that's actually going to be a strength for us in the long term. Um, whereas in recent seasons, it had really been just a liability. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, as I mentioned, the schedule gets no easier. <laughs> Manchester City next week, followed by a midweek match against West Ham, and then uh, the following Sunday against Newcastle. So those are not easy fixtures coming up for for the men's team uh, whatsoever. And I don't, I don't envy Ange's job to have to put together. He's basically going to have to. I would imagine again barring any more injuries he's basically going to have to have the same back line next week uh against manchester city so unless he decides to some for some reason throw eric dyer back out there um but that is uh well it's terrifying there's no other word to put it there's it, that's 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 a terrifying proposition against the manchester city team that is really really good and still still probably the best team in the world if you had to ask anyone uh or, or at least a top three team so it's not it's not pretty the one thing that gives me a little hope for that game is that they are the one matchup where it seems like we have the luck advantage. <laughs> like for whatever reason, we've just caused Manchester City absolute hell over the last few seasons. So I'm I'm hoping this is going to be the one where we do get kind of a shock result despite our, our lack of squad depth and kind of shaky starting 11. Yeah, it's true. It's almost like we ha we get the good luck against them, but so many other teams, such as Villa or Wolves, or there's so many other teams that get it against us that seems weird. Uh, but yeah, we that's true. We do kind of do kind of own their asses. So uh, maybe they maybe that can happen. Who knows? That'd be nice. Um, speaking of Manchester City, <laughs> it did not go well for the women against Manchester City uh, in a seven nil defeat earlier today um do we want to start there or do we want to go back to the midweek game the conti cup game which i admittedly did not get to see uh but you watched um a, a victory there for spurs but where, where do you want to where do you want to go when it comes to talking about the women's team right now oh it's it's a little bit like whiplash because i felt so overwhelmingly positive after the conti cup game because you know this was a game where we made nine total changes to the starting 11 from the previous league game. And you, you could not tell a difference in terms of, you know, the tactics, the playing style, it was all still there. Everybody was, you know, performing to their ability. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had players who, who don't usually get a chance to shine like Rosella Ion really had a standout performance. Um, she won a penalty which she did not end up taking. Uh, she would have had a hat trick if she had, but she did go on to score two goals from open play. And, you know, I thought her, her performance was really great. And we also had uh, Ramona Petzelberger who played her first 90 minutes for the club, which is kind of wild because she's been with us for over a season, but she's had, you know, massive injury issues ever since she arrived. So it was really great to see her out there contributing um, she had a really great game and 
the defense, you know, a totally completely different back line. And they all just got it done, got the clean sheet. And it looked like, you know, we had some good momentum going into the weekend. And quite frankly, I don't think the team showed up for the Manchester City game. It's it was it was pretty baffling to watch happen. Um, I'm almost at like a loss for words because it, it truly felt like our players were not even doing the minimum. They weren't doing the things that you expect them to be good at. We, we were just getting a whole lot of nothing, to be quite frank. <laughs> and and Bunny Shaw just decided hat tricks against Spurs are they are they are what I want. They were what I'm going to have. Uh, they they had no solution for her in the box, and it was um, almost too obvious to be able to like say anything about it. It was just like, oh, this is this is happening. This is like it's almost like you see the car coming down the road, and you just you're just you're not able to move. Well, and usually this is where I would, you know, do an impassioned defense of Bunny Shaw, who I really admire as a player, and point out that she's a very intelligent player with her runs that she makes. You know. The, the way that she's able to get into space and but it, it, this has happened before is the problem so it feels like at this point we really need to have some solutions um and you know of course we have a new manager this season so that's a little bit different but i don't think you can say that he could be you know ignorant of her her skills um because obviously he watches international football and he'll have been very aware of you know the threat that she poses especially from headers um, of which she scored too. So that it just was not a good day for our back line at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, just not, not doing the basics and the midfield didn't get involved in the game at all. It felt like um, we were just getting roasted on both wings <laughs> and it kind of almost didn't matter who was, who was playing in the attack because we just weren't creating enough chances um yeah i don't know what do you have andrew because i'm i'm literally almost speechless <laughs> well i i think it's there's you can take the talent gap and just speak to that as well like there is a talent gap between the two teams this is this is not like spurs had gone out in this match against um you know bristol city for example like they did earlier in the week with a rotated side um it's not like they went out against you know even a West Ham or Aston Villa and got beat. This is Manchester city. Um, this would be just like going out against Chelsea or Arsenal or, you know, there maybe city aren't quite on the, the level of those two teams, but they're right there. They're, they're one of the, the top three, four, five teams in the league. And this is where Spurs are trying to get to. And look, seven nil looks bad. Obviously it looks really bad, but it, I think the most disheartening thing and kind of what you're speaking to is just that the, not that the effort wasn't there, but just there was no real execute. Like there were a couple of chances in this match and Spurs didn't really get away from their identity whatsoever in terms of trying to play forward and trying to, to get up and score goals. It's not like they, they went into a shell by any stretch, but this, they just, for the first time, I think all season, even the opening match against Chelsea, they didn't look this overmatched. They didn't look this um, just kind of out of the league of of their of their opposition and i think that's kind of what was so disheartening about this is that like yeah this this went really really poorly but this didn't even look like much of a there was much of a chance even for a result in this game from from jump street yeah and it's it's tricky because 
although the women's team does have a few key injuries right now, like obviously Olga Atsinen is out and she's been really important to kind of bolstering the midfield in a way that we didn't have last season. We've also got Drew Spence out and she's been one of the primary playmakers. Um, so I do think those are big losses and obviously Beth England, you know, <laughs> that's been the whole season. Um, but again, not, we weren't getting a ton of service up to the forwards anyway. So I feel like that would be kind of a moot point in this case, but I, I just feel like some of the, the players that usually are very reliable, were just not, not performing to their, to their ability today. Um, and, but I do think you're right that it's good to point out that you looked at the subs that Man City brought on. I, I can't remember who it was at one point. They had a, a double sub um, or triple sub even of like Mary Fowler and Jess Park. And I'm like, those are players I would love for us to have to start. Um, so that just, that is really disheartening. Um, anyway, you look at it. And by the way, I felt the same way in the men's game when when Aston Villa brought on Yuri Tielemans and Leon Bailey. I was like, wow, those are two really good quality players that that Villa are bringing off the bench. Like sometimes you got to recognize the opposition has more depth than you. And like, I think that's the case in, in both cases uh, in the men's and women's games today. But at the same time, like the the depth is even and the, the talent level is even greater when you talk about city to city women to Spurs women. Like it, it just is. And this is what Spurs are trying to grow to at this point still. Yeah. We, we do have to kind of cut the club a little slack in that sense that, you know, this is still what our fifth season in the league. Um, it's a project. And I think Robert Villahome knew that when he joined, but at the same time, I have to have, a little bit of criticism for the manager today because I feel like changes needed to be made earlier. You know, it's, it's a fact that we don't have quite the same quality of player available on our bench, but we still, I feel like we needed to just try something different um, much, much sooner in the game because it was pretty clear that we were having the same issues over and over. Um, and some of those players just looked so demoralized by the end of the match. I mean, I feel like, Every time they panned to Molly Bartrip, she was just like staring into the distance, sadly. <laughs> and I felt the same way, you know, but I think it would have been maybe a good thing just to get some get some fresh energy in there. Probably would not have affected the result, but maybe we could have at least limited the damage because, you know, this is a huge hit to our goal difference today, uh, which really hurts. Yeah, that's a really good point as well, um, because that's not particularly pretty either at this point. It's uh, it's at minus two after this match, uh, despite the fact that, you know, you've got 12 points from eight games like that's not that's not a bad return on investment. But uh, they fall into sixth, uh, two points behind Liverpool now, um, still four points clear of both Leicester and Everton in the seventh and eighth spots. But yeah, you're you're staring down you know, a negative two goal differential now after that. And that is certainly not what you want to see. Con considering considering you've only lost two games this season out of eight uh, and you have a negative point differential, that's 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 the tough look. Um, it is now an international break on the women's side, which somehow that's... <laughs> I say it on the men's side, I'm going to say it on the women's side. Somehow another international break is upon us. Um, but Spurs will come back 
with a match at home against Manchester United. And that match is on the, I want to say the 10th. Yes. Sunday, the 10th of December. And then that midweek is uh, the first matchup against Arsenal that comes in the league cup. That is uh, that's also a really big one because in, the, in those league cup standings, Spurs are actually currently the goal differential. There is completely fine in league cup games. Uh, plus nine in two matches. They're, they've nine scored and zero allowed, but now they get the real test of facing Arsenal who are right behind them in the league cup standings in that group of five, which also includes Southampton, Bristol city and Reading. So tough test there. And then it'll actually be two straight against Arsenal because they play them in league play the match after that. And that's th- that game on the 16th is the game that I believe is being held at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium. So um, that'll be, a, that would be a cool one to check out if you are over in london but yeah it it doesn't doesn't get any easier i mean manchester united and arsenal are the next two opponents so you gotta you gotta turn up you gotta turn out yeah i think we just need to put this manchester city result behind us and try to get something positive out of the next few games you know especially that league cup game i feel like it would just be a shame to not capitalize on the really strong start that we've had in that competition um, because even if we don't top the group, um, there's still potential for us to go through as one of the best second place teams. So I'm, I mean, if we could even get a draw out of that match, that would put us in a really good position to advance. Um, but it's, it's just, it's a tough December coming up any way you look at it. Um, so just got to hope the, the one good thing is I think we're going to have Drew Spence back for those games. She was kind of a, a possibility to be back by today, but didn't end up making it after all. Um, so I think that'll be a really big boost to have her back in the lineup. We've, we've missed her a little bit, I would say. That's the other thing too, what you mentioned about a tough December. It's just those three games in December. And then there's a, a gap again um, until, you know, these, these breaks that come in. So it, it is all focus on those three matches for the month of December. And then, um, a break until January b- before the WSL season continues and the league cup schedule continues as well. So um, just, you know, something to, something to look forward to there um, before we get out of here today, Caroline, just a quick word about the loss of Terry Venables uh, died this weekend, age 80, former Tottenham player and manager uh, was also a manager for the England national team. Um just a, a, a beloved figure in Spurs history. So I uh, just want to offer our thoughts and prayers to his family and friends. Um, I, it, I, it dawned on me today as I was reading about, um, about Terry Venables that he was the last manager that won an FA cup for Spurs in 1991, which is so long ago. Um, and obviously won at one, one as a player as well back in the sixties. Um, but just a, a, you know, sad day, and um, just wanted to offer our our condolences uh, to his family and friends. Um, another small piece of admin here: um, we are likely going to be dark next week uh, as a pod. Um, just wanted to give the listeners a heads up, and you know, you a real one if you've listened this late into the pod to get this bit of news. I'm sure I'm going to have folks tweeting at me, but um, I'm out of town, and we just schedule stuff. Lots going on for us, so we we are probably like 90% going to be dark next week um, following the city match. So don't look for a pod. We will come back the, the following week. And there's a, there's going to be a lot to talk about because not only 
Um, are the women going to be coming back after their international break? But the men are going to have three ga- those three games between City, uh, West Ham, and who's that other one against? I don't even remember. I just had it pulled up. Uh, oh, Newcastle on the 10th. Um, so we will, we will probably be recapping a lot of football, uh, after being away, but, um, feel free to reach out to us uh, via social media. Um, and I will keep everybody informed as well on social media about what's going on with the pod, but just a lot of meshing schedules, holiday season, travel, all that stuff going on. So, uh, look out for the pod to be more than likely dark next week. Uh, first time we've done that, but, um, just, you know lots going on. So uh, thanks for bearing with us through that. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice uh, and be sure to follow us on social media. We are at Tottenham Depot pretty much everywhere you can find a social media account at this point. We, we've got Twitter covered. We've got uh, Instagram. We've got threads. Um, we've got a TikTok. Uh, still working on Blue Sky, but we will, we will get there eventually. Um, and until next time, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on you Spurs.